0: Good morning. Welcome to First Southern. We're so glad that you're here with us. Let me just do a quick uh, welcome to you. If you're a guest with us... Thank you for being here, we are honored that you chose to take an hour out of your morning to to spend it with us. So thank you for being here. If you are a guest, uh, if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor and grabbing one of these Connect cards out of the back of the pew, uh, fill it out sometime during the service and then you can drop it in the offering plates uh, as you walk out. We're going to do our offering a little different this morning. Uh, We're not going to pass the plates through the pews. Uh, Instead, we're going to have ushers stationed at the doors uh, and as you walk out, you can drop your offering or your Connect card uh, in those plates as you walk out. Uh, That way we're not spreading uh, germs by handling plates that go in and out and in and out and in and out, but we still have the ability uh, to do an offering. Um, So if you're with us today as a guest, thank you for being here. Uh, We're doing an abbreviated service this morning. If you didn't notice that, uh, we're going to do it a little shortened just for multiple reasons. Uh, We'll address those later on in the service. But uh, in light of that, will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, thank you so much. We thank you for who you are. We thank you uh, for your provision, for your caring, for who we are as a church and as individual followers of Christ. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that you would soften our minds and hearts to the message and the word that you would have us have, that you would grow us, that you would make us more faithful disciples of Jesus in all that we do. And so Lord, this morning as we continue our series of speaking uh, through the I Am statements of Jesus, we pray that you'd continue to grow us as we seek to be true followers of Jesus. Thank you again, and we pray this in his name, the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, before I hop into my message this morning, I want to give you just a a brief update of what we did last night. We had our debt-free celebration. Uh, We, as a church, paid off a 31-year-old debt, and we had the, the blessed opportunity to come together last night. I ate more fried chicken and dessert than I think I've eaten in years in one sitting. Um, still feeling the effects this morning, I think, a little bit. But it was amazing. We had a little over 100 people. Um, and I want to recognize the person who's here with us this morning. The pastor who was our pastor here at this church, when we built this building, came in for this debt-free celebration last night. So Tom Hodge, would you just raise your hand? <laughs> pastor Tom uh, back in that day, uh, had a vision for what First Southern Baptist Church of Scottsdale would be, and we are still fulfilling that vision of making disciples, leading people, leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus, uh, and we want to thank Tom for coming in, and uh, we're so glad that uh, he began us on that vision and that journey to the place that got us here today, so thank you very much for your leadership and your legacy here uh, Uh, At this church, Um, take your Bibles, your apps, whatever you read on today, and I want you to turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Now, if you don't have a Bible or an app with you, there are Bibles in the back of the pews. Feel free to grab one of those and turn to John chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible at home, please feel free at the end of the service to grab that Bible out of the back of the pew and take it home with you today, Uh, because we want everybody to have a Bible at their home that they can uh, read and reference and study, so let that be our gift to you today. Now, if you're not sure where John is in the Bible, it is actually the fourth book in a big section called the New Testament. And so if you were to turn to the table of contents in your Bible, you'll see two sections, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, You want to look at the New Testament, and you'll find John is the fourth book. Find that page number, flip over, and then flip through until you get to the big 10 in the book of John, John chapter 10. Now, as you're turning there, uh, let me tell you a little story that ties in with what we're speaking about this morning. Uh, Growing up, I actually grew up on a farm and a ranch. You wouldn't know it by The way I'm dressed today, but um, I have fond memories of wheat harvest every summer, Uh, sitting in a tractor or a grain truck uh, taking up wheat harvest. I have fond memories. I've actually spent two to three days uh, working cattle, meaning we would herd cattle in and we would uh, uh, medicate them and brand them and cut their horns and all that. I've been through that lifestyle. Uh, The story that I want to tell you this morning is when I was about 12 or 13 years old, I was, uh, I was a little kid. I've told you that I was a short child, but 12 or 13 years old, I was big enough that I was riding a horse very well on my own, effectively, and we needed to herd the cattle that we had uh, from the south pastures to what were the north pastures. And reason. For that is, during the winter months, we capped our cattle on the south pastures uh, to feed on the wheat that was growing up in the wintertime. And then we had to move them to the north pastures where there was more uh, grass and there was a a water supply. And so one year uh, in the springtime, my family, me, my dad, my grandfather, a set of uncles, and a few of my cousins, we got on horseback early in the morning, rode out to the south pasture, and we herded cattle All the way from the south pasture a couple of miles up to the north pasture. It took all day long on horseback herding these cattle. Now I talked to you a little bit about how dumb sheep are last week. Because uh, Jesus' I am statement last week uh, for us was I am the gate to the sheep pen. Uh, And sheep I told you are probably the dumbest animals on the face of the planet. Cattle are the second dumbest. I'll tell you that right now. A, A cow will follow what the lead cow is doing. So when you lead sheep, you go out in front and the sheep follow you. They, they listen to your voice and they follow you. Cattle don't do that at all. They don't trust people all that much. And so when you're herding cattle, you literally push the cattle, to the destination that you want to go. And the reason we needed so many family members to do this was there were five of us along the backside of the herd pushing them, and then there were four, two on each side, keeping them contained. Because what cattle want to do is as they push forward, they want to scatter, they want to jump and, and run. Even though running puts them in the most dangerous place that a cow can be in, cow's safety is in the herd. It's in the group. And so we drove these cattle and got them up to North Pasture where they could have plenty of grass and plenty of water to make it through the summer season, Um, and we did that. And in the winter season, if we weren't feeding them on wheat, we would go out every single day in the snow and take hay to them. And that's the one time the cattle want to be around you is when you drive up with that flatbed truck. Flatbed truck is a, a pickup truck that doesn't have a regular bed. It's just got a big flat platform on the back. And we'd pile hay on the back of it, and you'd drive out, and as soon as you got into the field, the cattle would come running to you. And you'd just drive that truck slowly, and you'd break hay off and let it fall behind you, and you'd leave a trail of hay uh, behind you on this truck, and that's what the cattle would eat every day. Now, today we're talking about the I am statement where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. But let me do a quick recap of last week, because remember, both the I am gate statement and the I am the good shepherd statements are in the same passage, and they're actually intermingled with one another. Those two statements uh, kind of go in and out throughout John chapter 10. And so last week, we talked about how Jesus is the gate to the sheep pen. He is the access for us as followers of Christ to go in and ...and out to find good pasture. His gate, he himself, is the only way to achieve salvation. It's the only way to get access to eternity, eternal life with God the Father. And so he's the only way to enter in and out. He is also the security. Uh, I talked about how the shepherd uh, would lay physically in the gate... Overnight, He would sleep there, preventing uh, thieves and robbers and, and different animals from gaining access to the sheep. And today, he shifts that statement, the I am the gate, he shifts it into talking about I am the good shepherd. So take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 11. John chapter 10, starting in verse 11, we're going to read through verse 18. John 11 starting in, or John 10, starting in verse 11. says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Isn't that an interesting passage? I thought the I am the gate was an interesting passage, but I think Jesus takes it to a new level with this one. You see, he is saying that he is the good shepherd, and he takes it so far as to say that he lays his life down for the sheep. Now remember, the sheep are us, his followers. And Jesus willingly lays his life down for each and every one of us in this room. Every follower of Christ, Jesus has laid his life down for them. And so he lays his life down, but hear me clearly... Jesus didn't die to be an example or to just demonstrate his love for us, but because his sheep were in real danger. You see, you and I, before we knew Jesus as Lord and Savior, we were in danger. We were in danger of the effects of sin and judgment and death on our lives. We needed a rescuer. You see, there's nothing you could do. You could not do enough good things. You could not pay enough money to a church or give enough money to the poor or, or anything like that to earn your way into heaven. The fact of the matter is, is that we've all sinned and fall short of God's perfection, His glory. And so we don't... It's not a matter of Jesus saying, well, I'm one of the options to get to eternity. He's literally the only option to eternity because we don't have the means to get there ourselves we have to have a rescuer so so he didn't come just uh, and lay his life down and live the do the teachings and live the life he lived he didn't do that as an example uh, or just to show his love he did that because we desperately needed him to do that we desperately had to have his life sacrificed so that we could have life. Here's my big statement, my big idea for the day. If you have every intention to totally tune me out after this, that's great. I just want you to hear this one statement. So here's my big idea for this morning. We needed rescuing and need rescuing. We needed past tense, we needed rescuing, and we need present tense, we need rescuing now. You see, Just as I said, he rescued us from sin. He rescued us from judgment. He rescued us from death. But let's be honest for a moment. He rescues us from our own propensity to go back to sin and judgment and death. You see, the work that's being done in every single one of us as followers of Jesus is not a one-time thing it's a constant process that is continually going on in our hearts and our lives think about it for a moment if jesus's death and resurrection was all we needed and that was all we had to have that one time moment of life then why would he need to constantly be a shepherd for us he didn't say i was the shepherd he said i am The shepherd. You see, every single one of us have a natural desire built into us because of sin to go back to our old ways. We want to sometimes go back to our old creation. There's a temptation that's there. But Jesus, through His death and resurrection, overcomes that for us. He has the power. How can He do this? Look with me again at verse 17 and 18. Verses 17 and 18, he says this, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life. Isn't that interesting? The reason that my father loves me is I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. Isn't that a beautiful statement? That one statement, I could preach on that all day long. No one took Jesus' life. Jesus gave it freely and voluntarily for each and every one of us. Look what else he says in verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Isn't that amazing? He voluntarily laid down His life so that each and every one of us could live. He lived a perfect, completely sinless life. Jesus is the Son of God. He was the Son of God when He was alive. God didn't make Him the Son of God. He was from eternity the Son of God. And the Son of God, willingly and knowingly, died one of the most horrific deaths that mankind has ever invented. And he shed that blood so that you and I could have a perfect sacrifice in our place. So that we would not have to pay the price of our sins. But he is not a dead shepherd laying in the field while the wolves scatter the sheep. Hear me clearly on that. On the third day after he died, he rose from the grave as a victorious shepherd. And he gathers his flock. He cares for us. He protects us. He watches over us. And the fact is, is we need that care and protection. Without his constant shepherding, without his victory over sin and death, we would be a scattered people with no hope. But the fact is is that he rose from the grave on the third day and then he ascended into heaven. And he sits right now at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he guides us and leads us and protects us through his Holy Spirit. That should be hope in this difficult season, shouldn't it? No matter what happens, no matter how things play out, our eternity is secure if you're a follower of Jesus. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you believe in Him and you make Him your Lord and your Master, you have that protection. You have that assurance, that guarantee that you will have eternity in heaven with God the Father in a perfect existence. You see, in this very uncertain time, When fear seems to reign, we have a risen, victorious shepherd. And we shall not fear. We've got nothing to actually be afraid of. But look with me in verse 16. Verse 16, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You see, we have, if you're a follower of Jesus sitting in this room right now, we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We have him as our shepherd. But there are those who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Jesus wants those others to be brought into his flock so that he can lead and guide and protect, and most of all, he can rescue them also. But that's where we come in. This is where the illustration doesn't work. The fact of the matter is, is we are called to be the instruments by which others are brought into the sheepfold, into that flock of sheep. You see, the matter of fact is, When I herded those cattle when I was 12 or 13 years old, the reason they needed someone to push them and guide them was because those cattle can't open the gate. And those cattle don't have the intelligence to know where the water is unless they're guided to it. Every single one of us and every single one who has ever been born on this earth except for Jesus himself can't get through the gate without someone opening it for us. We need, those who don't know Jesus in your life, they need Jesus to be the gate and to shepherd them through the gate into his rescue, into his salvation. And you and I are the instruments that God uses to bring sheep in. We've been talking about it a lot, but who is that person in your life that you need to lead towards uh, the salvation, the rescue of Jesus. And will you have the courage in this season when people feel a lot of hopelessness right now, when they feel a lot of fear, will you have the courage to show the life-changing hope of Jesus to them? Will you be willing to lay your reputation on the line to lay your, your relationship on the line so that they can know Jesus and be rescued and have Jesus as their good shepherd. Everybody needs Him. And you play a part in that. Will you have the courage to show others the shepherd that can rescue them? Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank You so much for today. And God, we thank You that You are the good shepherd. We're so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful for what you've done in our lives. And Lord, we pray that as our good shepherd, you would continue to guide us and direct us, lead us by your word into your truth and help us to lead others into the flock of sheep that you shepherd. Let us be the instruments. Let us be your mouthpiece. Let us be the hope, the light and the salt that so many people are looking for in this day and age. Help us to be those people in the world around us. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.